0: Não, não, não. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast, a podcast dedicated to Japanese monsters and science fiction. I am Kyle Bird.
1: I'm Matt Parmley.
0: And we are happy to have with us a special guest. Um, We have uh, Mr. Dwayne Poole, who is a writer and producer who, uh, over the last... uh, Several decades has had his hands in a lot of shows and films, and a lot of pop culture IPs. So, um, some examples would be, you know, Scooby Doo, The Smurfs, The Flintstones, um, Laverne and Shirley, The Love Boat, Super Friends, um, and even uh, up up through now, still working. um, A few films for the Hallmark uh network but um we are here with him because he uh, is uh was a um one of the developers on the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla animated series from 1978 um credited uh has a a few credits if what the internet uh is is saying is true a writer developer story editor um so Dwayne welcome and thank you for being here
2: Oh no, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me.
0: Um so we are uh going to force you to look back uh how many <laughs> many decades and remember uh what you can. I mean you you're 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 incredibly <laughs> prolific. Uh I mean so many series films and television series and uh you know theater i mean you you've written so much stuff so uh i understand that you know you might not remember every single day of uh working on godzilla for uh 20 <laughs> some episodes in the 70s but <laughs> um but no uh we we've, we've been looking forward to to having you here and um uh so um just you know, to kind of get to know you a little bit, um let's just talk about uh, so i I mentioned your your vast body of work and uh, having your hands in different mediums of entertainment. but uh, what made you decide to become a writer and kind of get involved in show business in the first place?
2: Oh, it started out because I already couldn't do anything else. i think <laughs> uh, i was uh, I was a student at the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, and I was uh, originally an architecture major, and uh, after a few weeks of that, I didn't really care for it. So I began switching majors through the various colleges within the university. I majored in uh, advertising and public relations. I majored in astronomy. I majored in urban planning. Uh, I majored in just a little bit of everything until my counselor said, "Well, you know, the only thing left that you can get out of here in four <laughs> years with with your scholarship, which I had, is English." And I enjoyed writing. I've always enjoyed doing that um didn't uh didn't see myself as a teacher so i thought uh, well let me let me try writing and try that and it, it worked out well um in my uh i, I guess it was my junior year of uh university there was a um a new tv show that was starting up in uh in seattle on the local king king television network there um they, uh, they 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 talked about it in the in the in the Seattle Times. Uh, it was sort of a Muppet show with uh, a, one live action character who was a Miss Washington at the time, and then a number of puppets that looked really kind of great. So um, I was was really fascinated with music and lyrics at the time. I was considering becoming a musical theater composer lyricist. So I thought, well, maybe they could use some songs. I uh, I wrote six that night and uh, took them down the next morning. Uh, and they were impressed. I don't think they were impressed by the songs, but maybe the speed or something, whatever, but um, they hired me, and so for $25 a week, I uh, became their their composer on this show. Um, the thing about that is, that the important thing about it is is that I began writing scripts for them, I began performing with them, um, I wrote a stage musical for the woman who was the star of it, and um, that was seen by a number of um animation houses in la when an investment firm took an interest in it and brought me down here one of them that um, i auditioned for was Hanna barbera and at the time there were um there were two live action producers a guy named uh, ray allen and his partner harvey bullock who had done gosh a lot of the old like the andy griffith shows the danny thomas shows the you know the the big hits that comes of uh, of a slightly earlier period there and they were hired um, by Hannah and Barbera to develop a live-action department at Hanna Barbera. So they saw my script and they didn't—they uh, didn't take it to make a movie out of it. But they thought that it had a certain whimsy about it, a certain a certain style that they liked, I guess. And uh, they called me in Seattle and they said, "We're—we're well, not going to take the script, but we would like to um, ask you to come down and be a staff writer for us." So I didn't know how to how to deal with that really i mean i thought it was an exciting opportunity but my life was really up in seattle with friends and work and everything um so um i thought well i'll take this job i'll come down to los angeles i'll make myself invaluable after six months and i'll run right back to seattle and write long distance well well, this what I, how many how many decades later <laughs> i never never quite got back to seattle except a vacation there um, but I became a, a staff writer for them. I uh, I learned animation fairly quickly. It's a it's a whole new format from what I was doing. Um, I learned that and uh, began to move up through the ranks from uh, writer to story editor to producer. To uh, um, by the time I was ready to leave to go to to prime time, Joe Barbera offered me the vice presidency of the of Hanna Barbera. Um, I had to say no because I really wanted to deal with the uh, the whole live action world, mm-hmm. but. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but it was very flattering, yeah. and, uh, oh. and I, I had a great time in animation while I was there. So that's how, long, how I got into animation.
1: How long did you actually stay with Hanna-Barbera?
2: Oh, I was there off and on for quite a while. I, uh, I got there in 73. Um, I worked uh, a couple years there. I, I uh, met a, an older writer who became uh, sort of a mentor to me, and his name was Dick Robbins, with whom I did Godzilla. Mm. Um we uh we became quickly one of the premier teams for animation in town and we got all kinds of offers. Um uh, but one thing that we were offered was uh the Croft brothers who were doing uh Saturday morning serials and series back then, like hr uh, puff and stuff and so on. They asked us to come over and develop the Croft Super Show, which was uh uh Wonderbug, um Electrowoman and Dinah Girl, uh, Captain Cool and the Kongs and so on and so. On. We went over there and developed that uh, in 75, or 76, and then returned to um shortly after for uh, at least a couple more years. Um, I switched partners around that time, around Godzilla, Jenna, the jungle time, to um, a partner named Tom Swale. And we worked together in animation for a bit, and then we did a, a spec primetime script. And with the help of Peter Roth, who's now the head of Warner Brothers, um, who was then with ABC, we got a uh, primetime assignment and the position is story editing an old series called Heart to Heart. Um, and that took us on through. So we went back um, just once for uh, a special um, I call it Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, which was a, um, uh, a drug special that wound up it was in cooperation with every animation house in town, uh, Disney yeah. and Hanover and so on and so I on. Gotta,
0: okay. <laughs> I got it. OK, because that I, I that's like when I was young, I remember watching that. And then I think I even watched it in school at one point. And that thing Probably. is that that thing is insane. <laughs> how do you? Because it's basically for people that don't know, it was like, like Dwayne said, it was like an anti-drug kind of cartoon special. But it had like every animated character that you know was popular in you know like the eighties. Uh, how do I got to ask? How do you even begin to approach something that wild?
2: Well, that that was a little crazy. It was it was the uh it was around the time of the you know just say no kind of campaigns and all that yep. and. and we wanted to um, we wanted to make it something really special and, and more relatable we wanted uh, kids hopefully not to laugh at it but laugh with it um, so we tried to make it fairly realistic we uh, were working with Roy Disney who was at that time the head of, of uh, Walt Disney and uh, because of him and his name he got all the other animation houses to offer up their characters of course most of them didn't give us their Big characters like uh, for Disney, we couldn't use Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, but we could use Huey, Dewey, and Louie, for example. Um, the uh, uh, but we got there the, the were the, the Smurfs, uh, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. I mean, there there were some wonderful characters mm-hmm. in there, um, and the idea was to give everybody a bit of screen time and try to get a good message across. Um, it, it it became a little um, surreal, surreal. I mean, even for us, we uh, we didn't quite know what we had stepped into at the
0: time. Watching it um, is surreal.
2: <laughs> well, I've got to say, the uh, there's a there's a song in there that I didn't know until recently when I went back and looked um, uh, by Alan Menken and, uh, uh, and and Howard Ashman, who wrote um, A Little Shop of Horrors, The Little Mermaid, uh, you know, and so on, Aladdin, mm-hmm. uh, Beauty and the Beast. So. Uh, they were just starting out at Disney, and Disney put them on to write the song for it. It 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 was aired on every network simultaneously. So I think we hold a record of some kind for the the largest rating and share of any you know any special almost ever on, with that <laughs> show. Um, so uh, anyway, that that was fun, but it kept me an anim- it took me back to animation, which uh, which was great to revisit at that time.
1: That's awesome. Um, so I want to pivot to Godzilla and. Um, do you recall when the Godzilla rights were actually acquired? um and, and maybe what your initial reaction was to being able to work on Godzilla? Like how much f- familiarity did you even have with the character at that point?
2: oh i I grew up on Godzilla. I mean, i I remember the the original Godzilla it scared the hell out of me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it still has its charm. It has that uh, um that gritty original you know, charm. Um I loved the idea, you know when I heard about it, as far as when the rights were. Gotten and the business side, I have, I have no idea at all. But I think it was around 78, 77 um, that Joe Barbera uh, approached my then partner, uh, Dick Robbins, and myself and said, You know, we, we want you to um, story edit. And I thought we had produced this, but, but I, I'm not sure that we did. Uh, but at least story edit the Godzilla, it was the Hour of Power or the Power yeah, Hour? Uh, Godzilla
0: Power Hour. It was Power Hour, yeah.
2: thank you. Um, And that was uh, uh, that meant developing Godzilla and developing Jenna of the jungle uh, concurrently, uh, which was a huge assignment. Um, The fun was that they were really adventure half hours instead of the sort of the um, uh, the the broad comedy uh, animations that we'd been doing, like the Scooby Doos and the Smurfs and whatnot. So we didn't have to worry quite so much about the comedy aspects, but uh, it was fun to focus on on the adventure aspect for a change. Uh, so he came to us, and we uh we said absolutely yes and that was uh, that was a hectic year as i recall
1: um kind of has this reputation of being very difficult to work with. Do you have any um do you recall what it was like- a- actually working with Toho back then did they provide any sort of you know guidelines that you had to follow as part of the story
2: as far as i remember they they really weren't involved they they had their name on it i'm sure but um uh but as far as the the series itself no the the only difficulty working on the series was broadcast standards um we had a character who was known for uh you know tearing down buildings and trampling people and cars and everything else and um and the network wouldn't let us do that wouldn't let us do what wouldn't let godzilla do what godzilla did
3: um
2: <laughs> so the 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 hardest creative uh part of it the biggest obstacle was finding ways to use godzilla that took advantage of his size and power but it didn't hurt anybody mm. um that that took some imagination
0: do you remember how you maybe navigated those guidelines because yes yeah, like here's this like you said it's here's here's this property that's known for one thing and you can't but you can't do it <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, uh, as far as specifics, I, I probably can't come up with anything like that. It's, it's just, you know, it's been inventive in how you use a, a character of that size. Yeah. I, I also did a series um, called The Great Grape Ape um, that uh, you may or may not remember, but it was mm-hmm. it was also about a giant character. In this case, it was sort of a King Kong kind of character who was goofy and purple. And for that being a comedy his his size and power came into into use in nonviolent ways so it, it, in a similar way godzilla's size and power uh, he he could lift things he could uh, uh, create you know tidal waves he, he he used them all for good you know he he used them to save our heroes um to save the islanders to uh uh you know, rescue ships and so on it was it it wasn't what i had grown up mm-hmm. knowing godzilla to be but it uh it made for i think a kind of an interesting um uh, action half hour
0: yeah i i don't it's been a long time since i've watched you know a lot of it but i don't recall many episodes taking place in like a city you know it's always on an island or in the in the ocean or, what, or whatever. Yeah, we, had, we
2: had to be careful. I don't yeah. recall that there was an episode in the city. There may have been. But, there's uh, one
0: that I remember, but even then it was like, it was like the very end of the episode.
1: Yeah, there's like, a, I watched it more recently because like I Is said, Is it I the Earth it. Eater or the, it's, Yeah, they're like in San Oh, the Earth Eater.
2: I, I actually remember the Earth <laughs> Eater, yeah. As it happens, I I wound up either writing or rewriting, yeah. you know, all, the, the, the first season. I don't think I was involved in the second season. Um, but as far as that first season, um, yeah, I remember, uh, I remember the Earth Theater. That was, uh, uh, because it was underneath a city, uh, yep. it, it, yeah. it involved a city, but it, it, most of the action took place underground, as yeah. I recall.
0: And I think, what is it, I think it's the, I think it's called the Breeder Beast. There's one where, like, the end has them in a city, but, like, is that uh, a nuclear?
2: Is that a nuclear reactor episode? I forget.
0: I don't know. You're I, you're testing my know. geek knowledge and I'm I'm <laughs> sure there's the, like some the, Godzilla yeah. fans listening that are like, oh my god, guys, please.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> the one like they're in um they're in DC and there's like a a monster that basically feeds off of energy yeah, somehow. Exactly, exactly. Right. I yeah. remember
0: that. Yeah, but it was <laughs> it was weird because like the city is like fairly like unpopulated. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you we just had to be careful with with all of that. Um, broadcast standards at the time was such a powerful thing. Um it's doesn't seem so much anymore. Um but uh, but back then every script had to go through broadcast standards to be sure that all the dialogue was first of all factual that uh there was nothing untoward happening between the characters that the action wasn't too scary for kids and I mean it was it it, it made doing an action piece difficult. But uh we managed.
0: As kind of an aside because like you you did write other like action cartoons. Um did you, you know, if if you're if you were writing something like The Super Friends, I mean, did you how did you have to kind of play by similar rules in terms of like portraying violence or any kind of fights?
1: Oh,
2: absolutely. I, there were, there were just so many things that you couldn't do. You had to you had to be Nobody could be seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at that point, um, you could you could freeze them into a block of ice, but you couldn't uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you couldn't blow them up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know. So it, it's uh, it, it was a constant uh, it was a constant battle with with broadcast standards. It, it, to give you an example of something else that I had to deal with, this was off in the live action department, though. I was doing another series, um, I think it was called Lottery, where people won, uh, won lotteries every week. Uh, it came and went fairly quickly. It was up against a series called Dallas that was the big thing at the time. And we actually scored a pretty good rating, and they, they brought us back for a second season, but it just didn't hold. The, the point of my bringing this up is um, we had an episode where we knew that we had something that was said or something that was, I think it was something, some word in there that we knew that broadcast standards wouldn't approve of. And you had to sit down with broadcast standards for a special screen, and they took their they took their notes and uh, you know made note of anything that had to be uh, excised. Um Our editor was a wonderful sneezer, and he knew exactly where we needed him to sneeze. And so three times during the screen, he sneezed really big, and the broadcast standards never heard the word, and so it got on it got on air.
3: <laughs> That's uh, awesome.
2: <laughs> but you had to play so many, so many games back then. It was, uh, it was crazy. And animation was, uh, it w- was, right along with it. You, it was all a, a huge game between us and, and what couldn't be done. Um,
0: well, uh, you you talked to us to us about you know kind of climbing up the ranks at Hanna Barbera on Godzilla, um, uh you have credits on uh if imdb is to be be, it is to be believed as we know they always are (laughs) um you have uh credits as a producer developer story editor writer um in your own words how would you describe what your role was on that series you know and what your your daily you know job was
2: in keeping that that moving well, it's really all of those. um we were uh, we were actually in in charge of that and Janet of the Jungle at the time, and so our hands were full. But with animation, you you've got so many levels um, every episode was at a at a different stage at any particular day, so that you were taking pictures from writers, you were getting outlines and approving those. You were getting first drafts or rewriting, you were approving character sketches, backgrounds. Uh, you were sitting in on um, on recording sessions. Um, you were uh, in, involved in the editing. You were involved in the the, the final cut. Uh, that it, in in one day you could be doing all of those uh, tasks uh, on the series, but each one you know for a different episode. Uh, so trying to keep that in your head for one series was was crazy, but to do two at a time was it was uh, it was insanity. And I'm surprised we lived through
1: that. <laughs> How long would an episode actually take to, like, produce from start to finish?
2: Well, back then, the the animation process took a while. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, it, it would always take at least probably two or three weeks to get the script together properly, say a month. And then it was usually uh, at least a couple months to get the animation. Um, some of it was done, uh, overseas and some was done at Hanna Barbera over here on Cahuenga Boulevard. Um, so it, it depended what was in house and what was, uh, what was outhouse. I mean, the, the, the idea that, um, if it was overseas, it was going to take a while. This is, this is back long before the computers and, and so on. So everything was, was by the process of mail and, oh. uh, and shipping. <laughs> Um, so uh, you know, it, it wasn't that immediate response to anything. Um, the, it was it was a process.
0: Uh, as you know, someone that would you know do things like script approval and and helping develop the stories and and do, being the story editor. What was your aler- working relationship like with the staff? You know, the writers, directors, or uh, designers. Um, you know, and. and what kind of direction did, uh, you know, would you you end up giving them?
2: Oh, uh, well, uh, everything began with us in terms of uh, a pitch. We, we would We would come up with our own ideas. If we had a writer that we really liked, we would give them an idea if they came in and they didn't have anything that we thought was usable. So we would give them things, or they would come in with their idea, and we would work with them in terms of things like broadcast standards what we could and couldn't do um so you know our input was really heaviest with the the writers at that stage and then um once we got a, a a script in from them that was close we would usually rewrite it uh to fit what we knew the standards had to be uh for the characters and uh for the network to approve and and so on there was we, we we would always do a polish it was very rare that we got a script that was was perfect but that's the case you know across the board and in, in television and film right now and forever i think um so once once that uh was approved then it would go to storyboards and we worked very closely with storyboard artists um who um uh, would not quite frame by frame but certainly scene by scene i i'm sure you're familiar with storyboards
3: mm-hmm, yeah. uh
2: would would uh would lay it all out so that we could we could see exactly how it was going to go and where the gags could come in or where the action could come in and how it was being uh played from what angles you know again at that point you become a, a dp a director of photography and you have to say no this let's let's see this from behind them or you know this could be this be an over the shoulder or could we get a close up on this character and so on um so that that's uh what we worked with there that went then to um, uh to the modeling to the uh the art department for uh for creating the models that the the animators would then follow uh, again no computers at this point this was still the old fashioned you know draw every frame kind of thing um then conversations with the directors in terms of getting the um, the script together and in terms of the, getting the recording together um, sitting in on that and luckily we had a, a great guy his name was Gordon Hunt he was Helen Hunt's father who um, came on from uh, the world of theater and he really knew how to do voice work uh, for us so he he directed some wonderful episodes um, It's it's just a process of Following the process, Uh, every step, we had to know how every step worked so that we could work with the people who were the perfectionists at that. We weren't artists, but we knew what it should look like. We weren't actors, but we knew what it should sound like, and so on. Um, So it uh, it was really shepherding the piece right through from the initial kernel of an idea to the finished
1: product. So this being Godzilla's first cartoon, actually... Um, Were there any specific challenges in figuring out how to adapt a franchise that was, you know, live action special effects into an an animated series for television? Were there any specific challenges or drawbacks? And then additionally, um, do you remember anything about Hanna-Barbera deciding what the show's premise would be?
2: Um, Well, we we developed it. uh, So I think we kind of we certainly worked with with joe primarily bill bill Hanna was primarily production joe Hanna was primarily creative um they had a very odd relationship they had uh separate floors at Hanna Barbera. they they um they they were a wonderful partnership but they pretty much never socialized together um so we were dealing with two separate entities there mm. um uh, but it, it, in terms of, uh, of, uh, the development, uh, Joe in particular had so much, uh, on his plate at the time, he was always pitching new shows, the network, he had so many things to think about that he pretty much relied on us to bring him things, which he would approve or Say no to. Uh, he would come up with a great character name or a great character or whatever, and we would. He would tweak things. He would put the the spices into it. Um, as far as the challenge of adapting Godzilla to television, um, the the hard part, as we've discussed, it was using his powers for good. How to how to figure <laughs> out what to do with those powers in a in a positive way. Um, which became more like a, uh, 100-foot Superman kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then it was trying to find the, uh, the way to make it animatable, really, and that, that was Godzuki. That was, uh, bringing in his, uh, his son? Nephew? I, you know, I don't remember at this point, whatever he was.
0: The press material um, says nephew, but it, that's it. I don't know why that was decided, or well, where his
2: think, brother yeah, is, yeah. or... Yeah, if he was his son, I guess we'd wonder about his wife. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I think it was his nephew, exactly. Um, Godzuki was, uh, as I recall, uh, we, we wanted to do a, a Scooby-Scrappy thing there or at least have a Scooby-like character there that would could be some of the fun. And uh, I think Joe came up with the name Godzuki. Uh, Joe was really good with names. Um, and we just uh, we had fun trying to figure out how best to use him? You know his his fear, his little uh, smoke rings that he would puff out, and so on. Uh, uh, it, he was a fun character to play with, so he he brought the the levity and the lightness to the uh, to the adventure. Do you know
3: there how? A, uh, uh, oh, no, I, ahead, <laughs> okay. Hold
0: hold that thought. I just wanted to ask. Uh, that is a, a kind of an odd character. Do you know how the decision came for him to have those like flying squirrel? Wings <laughs> like uh, because Godzilla can't Gosh. fly,
2: <laughs> no, Godzilla can't. Uh, and I don't remember who came up with the wings. Uh, we I, I'm sure we wanted a way to get him to be able to, to move around in mm. animation. You don't want you, you you try to get people off their feet as much mm-hmm. as possible. That's why you'll see a lot of people on skateboards or in cars or whatever. Because the walking animation, especially back then when you had to draw every step um it wasn't that fun to do so it was easier to put a character on a skateboard or let a character fly so they didn't have to you know move the arms and legs that much um Um, but it was it was part of it was practical part of it was just a fun different thing for him to do
0: yeah uh what you said about um losing my train of thought here um Oh yeah, uh, about you know how how you basically had to turn him into a gi- Godzilla into a giant Superman. I think the story that you got the the premise you guys used of oh he has a relationship with this group of people and they press a button whenever they need help and they encounter different right. monsters. The best Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that that's <laughs> almost like like similar ideas have been done. In different you know Godzilla comics and, and cartoons and not, not quite in the films, but um, that, that is something that has kind of been adopted by other, other writers that have you, you know taken on Godzilla projects. Um, and that's, and it's probably because that's still the easiest way to, to do that with a character like Godzilla. I, I don't know how else you would really pull that off.
2: Well, yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't just be following the ship around all the time. Yeah, that. He yeah, would that would be him. weird, right? Right. And um, and you you mentioned another thing in terms of the the other creatures that he ran into. We 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 took our lead from the original Japanese uh, Godzilla movies in that uh, one way to let him use his powers that the that the broadcast standards would allow was if he was battling another monster. So uh, uh, okay. not unlike Mothra and so so on. Um, he had. And uh, almost every episode has some giant creature or, or uh, opponent for Godzilla to tackle. So we could let him battle that, and and not uh, and not crush cities.
0: I don't know if you know the answer to a, uh, yeah,
1: Matt. Is that the quote, thing you were trying uh, to say a minute ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah
0: just go ahead. Get it.
1: <laughs> get, yeah. Get. Uh, there was a quote from like Joe Barbera, I think, about um, Godzuki being like kind of in reaction to um... what's she? Where the. <laughs>
0: Kind of softening the yeah, it was like a the concept I guess request
1: to soften the idea. Yeah, you know anything about that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, again, that's that's part of translating it to animation. Since animation is, it's Saturday morning was for kids. Yeah, and and uh, they they didn't have a lot of faith in just a straight action piece. Um, I mean, you'll notice too in, in in its companion piece, Janet of the Jungle. There's all the cute animals and so on. It's uh, it's the cuddly factor. You know, you you couldn't really go awe with Godzilla, so you could go awe with Godzuki. Um, and they could make stuffed toys out of him. You know, so, right. yeah, I think you know, there's there's so much um, that goes into the creation of a character in terms of the commercial uh result as well uh, so yeah Godzuki was just to to soften it so they could get a bigger audience
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know a, a younger kid might tune in to see Godzuki where they might not tune in to see just godzilla
0: right um I don't know if you know the answer to this, but um we were talking about you know other monsters Godzilla would fight in the show I know that it, and I know that you said it, it you know at least from what you remember it and and everything toho were it, it's you know you said they were a little more hands-off these days they're very hands-on when it comes to licensed godzilla stuff but um sure was was uh it was nowadays like if you want to use a god a monster from the franchise each one basically comes with its own rights you know its own price point you know so like you know the recent films from Legendary s- Studios. You know, th- okay, they have the rights to Godzilla for the sequel. They have to acquire the rights for Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah. Do right. y- Do you know if that was part of the the reason why back even um, on on the Hanna Barbera series, why the Toho other Toho monsters didn't show up? No.
2: Um, again, I. I don't recall. I mean, I'm sure there was, uh, there was there was a, a ton of negotiation with yeah. Toho in terms of, of getting the rights to the character, um, and perhaps they only licensed that one character.
1: Yeah, I, I don't.
2: I'm not sure that back then. Uh, companies were quite as, as aware of the value of rights to various characters as they as they have become you know, since yeah. then. Um, <clears throat> at that point, I think it was more just our wanting to have this be its own series. You know, yeah. It's just about yeah. Godzilla, and it's not the other characters. I, we didn't make a conscious effort not to use them, but but we had so many stories that we could come up with without using them that I, I, I don't know what might have happened had we said, can we put Mothra in this one or Rodan in yeah,
3: that yeah. one. Yeah,
0: I know that the Marvel Marvel had a comic series around the same time that also like it was just Godzilla. You know, they didn't use other Toho monsters yeah. a- along the, the same trajectory. Um, so Godzilla was rather infamously voiced by Ted Cassidy in the series instead of you know using his trademark roar from the, from <laughs> the films. Um, do you it, and and I know there's it's been kind of rumored. I don't know that I, I've ever managed to trace it back to a definitive source there were rumors that it was a similar thing and that like okay if you want this part of godzilla you know that's another part of the rights negotiation do you know why the decision was made not to use the the original roar um uh or if it was a rights thing do you have any idea what what was behind that
2: well i i can i can make a good guess at it i i i don't remember specifically but um uh with all the non-speaking characters in in the hanna barbera uh you know lineup um joe and bill were really uh determined that whatever the voice was it had a lot of range and could express a lot of different emotions um so a roar uh, especially a, a stock roar from godzilla would be a roar from godzilla whereas in a specific situation Ted could create a roar that maybe spoke to that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just more flexibility with it, and I think you get more emotion out of it. In the the original roar is a is a roar, and uh, and the Godzilla animated roar, I think you'll see more colors. So, so it was almost uh,
0: an attempt to kind of humanize him a little bit more.
2: Absolutely, interesting. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's. Um, I I I think if you look, at especially all the stuff that, uh, for example, Frank Welker would do, or yeah. Uh, so many of the Hanna Barbera voices—they um, they, got—they got so much character, and that's really a talent. They got so much character out of a non-speaking reaction um, that it—it it benefited the character, and therefore benefited the the episode or the series. Uh, you you understood the character more through that color, that extra color,
0: almost like a less comedic version of what well, Scooby Doo and. Same yeah. voice Godzuki would would do,
2: right? Yeah. Oh no, that, that's that's exactly it. T- trying to find a a voice that can express what words necessarily can't. I, I I haven't stayed as as in touch with Scooby as I probably should have. But back when uh, when we were writing and producing it, um, Scooby didn't speak. I mean, never. We had maybe a couple of R words that he could uh, he could get out, but. He really didn't talk much. It, it, it was uh, it, it was comic reactions that sounded sort of like words here and there. And, and uh, I, I know a, a couple of things I've seen uh, in, in the last few years. It seems like Scooby's talking a lot more than he ever used to.
0: <laughs> Matt, can you so, confirm? Yeah, I can confirm that. That's,
2: <laughs> can you do that? So I, I imagine if if Godzilla had run as long as Scooby, Godzilla would be uh, quoting Hamlet by now.
0: <laughs> um uh again kind of in the ballpark of um this version of Godzilla and how it differs from you know the the movie version um do you uh this so this is a different kind of interpretation we talked about the giant superman thing um which is is kind of uh taking what toho was doing with their movies in the 70s and making it you know uh i guess even more broad um but uh but there are are a lot of changes still from, uh, the movie version, so, um, the, the character design, uh, you know, is is its own kind of design, and then there's also things like, um, um, Godzilla being able to shoot lasers out of his eyes, things like that, right. um, do you recall, uh, any, anything behind the decision making, or, um, or what, what was behind making some of those changes to, to Godzilla?
2: It's it's really it's part of the process of developing. You have artists who give you several different versions of what this character could look like as an animated character. Um, As you mentioned, I just a couple weeks ago found, and maybe it was because of something you sent, or maybe not. There's the the Godzilla action figure that's uh, Uh, that's coming out next year. Yeah, I I, ordered that because I've I've got a few action figures of the things that I've created or, or developed or written. So I'm looking forward to that one, but yeah, you, you they come up with a, a variety of uh, of choices. It's a, you've probably seen um, documentaries of of the Disney films and how mm-hmm. they. Here are several examples of Cruella de Vil, or here's what uh, you know, The Little Mermaid could look like, or whatever. Uh, they the artists come up with just a variety, and and um, the network in combination with uh, uh, Bill and Joe decide you know which one is is the approach they're going to take as far as the the laser beams from the eyes um i i think it was uh, that was primarily to um to get away from the the fire breathing which seemed like that was going to destroy a lot of stuff it was, okay. uh, the, the laser eyes could be more focused and you know much like superman uh, they could we could do more with it yeah um but uh, yeah it's it's all the process of developing a character and and each Every character that you've ever seen from Hanna Barbera has gone through the same process. There's been a, there's been a wall covered with uh, visual approaches and and uh, and tapes filled with voice approaches. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. you know pick one from column A and one from column B and so on. Yeah.
1: You kind of mentioned this earlier, but I know like at the time of Godzilla, you're balancing several other Hanna Barbera cartoons. How do you manage juggling all these different projects at the same time?
2: It's just a matter of scheduling the time, really. And when you're in the middle of it, you you don't seem to know it. Again, at this point, it was only the two of them. It was Godzilla and Janna, which was quite a lot. But given the fact that it takes months for an episode to you know to 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 come to fruition, um, you you do have the time. Uh, Still, you 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 try to take it episode by episode, and as I say, there with each one at a different stage, it makes it a little easier. So you're not you're not um, working on scripts every hour of every day. It's you're you're doing you know concepts and scripts and polishes and art and voice. It 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 just keeps you running, but it's it's the it's what you do. It's what we're paid to do.
1: So, so I'm going to put you on the spot for a quick second. Oh um, dear God! So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you go back in time, do you remember any specific episodes that stick out for any reason, positive or negative? Anything that that you can recall? I mean, we're going back. What is it? Seventy-eight. <laughs> yeah, 40 <laughs> some <laughs> years. Yep.
2: I, I, I did print out a list of the episodes. Um, I remember the Firebird just because it's the pilot episode, and and uh, uh, and it was it was fun to explore what what he could and couldn't do, how the characters interacted, and so on. Um, but honestly, beyond that, it was it was pretty much the the creature of the week, and how do we make this different from the others? Um. It's, uh, it's, it's not like in live action where you can remember certain episodes because of a guest star or something that the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the lead actor did. It's it's not that sort of thing you're (laughs) dealing with. You're dealing with people on paper and it, it wasn't, it wasn't quite, it was, it was a, it was an assembly line of sorts and it was a fun assembly line, but it was still an assembly line.
1: Yeah. Well, I know my, uh, my son, um, loves the energy beast episode. That's a, it's like the, it's the weird caterpillar alien that kind of shape shifts and becomes Godzilla. It was
2: Godzilla. That's right. Oh, that's right. He has to fight himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's 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 an episode. Um,
2: that was fun. I I do recall that. Um, they were, they were all fun for their own, for their own reasons, but, uh, nothing, nothing sticks out as, uh, as something so wonderful that I could tell it to you right now.
3: (laughs) Do any
0: of them stick out as like, oh, wow, we really weren't, uh, on. On on the ball
3: there.
2: <laughs> no, I think they were all perfect episodes.
3: <laughs>
2: Everyone was a gem. Come on, guys. <laughs> Not so much season two, but I didn't do season two, and I probably didn't watch it, so I have no idea. Season one was just you know thirteen flawless episodes. <laughs> it does get it does get hard as you as you get toward the end of a season. You know, early on, especially with the new. As with a new character, it's incredibly fun because you're finding new sides, new things to, to do. But about halfway through the season, you begin saying, "Well, how could we redo what we did in <laughs> you know, the, in episode three in a different way?" You, you it it does start to wear. You begin uh, it, it becomes it becomes that um, that assembly line rather than an exciting new project. But you, you—that's why you bring in new writers, uh, hope, hoping their energy will find new sides to things and uh, uh, and keep everybody on their on their toes. We we were pretty proud of uh, of, uh, of of what we accomplished with both those series, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just good that people are still thinking about them today.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know the timing for this uh, is interesting because probably around the time that I first got in touch with you toho had started putting the show on their youtube channel um it's weird how they're yeah uh, yeah yeah it's weird how they're doing it because they're doing it in like 10 minute like increments every week so like this so like the last couple weeks it's like i don't know every friday or whatever it's like here's the first 10 minutes of the firebird the next week, it's like, here's the second half of the Firebird. The next week, it's like, yeah, here's... So it's, like, serialized. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's strange. I'm not sure why they're breaking it up that way, but, yeah, the the Toho's official Godzilla YouTube channel is is starting to put the episodes out, which, uh, the the model for it, like I said, the release model is kind of strange, but it's pretty cool, especially considering... Um, I don't think the DVDs are, have been in print for a while, and it, it doesn't show up on... Uh, reruns on TV or anything as much, so um, so yeah. they' I'm gonna have to check that out. Yep. I, I had no idea. Yeah, that, the,
2: that would be a, that would be kind of a fun time. Trip yeah. for Yeah,
0: the official Toho Godzilla. It's the Godzilla
1: YouTube channel, right? Matt, yeah. is it
2: is it
0: the Godzilla? It's
1: called like, Toho official or something? It's uh, yeah. we can send you a link after this. If you yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> I would love
2: that. Please, please do that. I'd
1: love to see these. That would that would uh, that would be a kick.
0: Yeah, and and it's like. Like I said, it's only like ten minutes of an episode per week, so it's not like it's a big time commitment, but okay. um, yeah, it's interesting. they just started doing that, um, like around the time we started talking about doing this interview.
3: Well:
2: well what what one thing I was thinking of uh, right before you brought that up when you were asking about um, you know s- special memories and all, to give you an idea of how much work it is, a script I, I don't know if you've seen animation scripts from back then. But a half hour of animation was like a sixty-page script, and that's all single-spaced. I mean, that's that was really you know, uh, in in prime time that would be an hour. Uh, you figure a, a half uh, half a minute a page in uh, animation and a, a minute a page in in live action. Um, mm-hmm. So, writing and uh, supervising sixty pages of single-spaced typing, you know, uh, several times a day. It was it was uh, it was it was quite a job
0: on a typewriter too
2: <laughs> uh well at, at right. least there were electrics back then yeah <laughs> i
3: had
2: i had my electric electric typewriter so and we were just starting to get into uh uh into computers at the at the end of all that um of that that whole period cuz i in 78 on on um on *Jan of the Jungle* and *Godzilla*, uh, I met my new writing partner. It was one of the writers who came in, and we really clicked. And and so, uh, and then shortly after we were teamed up. I remember us getting our computers. Um, so uh, it, but you're right. It was it was uh, typing it out and then handed it to an assistant to uh, to fix any changes. So it, it was a it was a long process. I uh, yeah.
0: Um, did you ever have any involvement with uh you know, other parts of the production like the voice acting or the voice casting or um Yeah, all, all, or, or, or all the, of it. The in the, the music in the show also?
2: Not so much the music. That was White Curtin, who did pretty much everything for Hanna Barbera. Um but uh, as far as the um uh the voices and all, as I said before, we were we were supervising everything. Uh we we, we had our input in terms of the the casting the the uh, the the director uh again mostly gordon hunt although there were several fabulous directors i don't remember who they credit for this one but this might have been wally burr or somebody um uh, they obviously had a a great part of the say because they really knew the the uh the voices that were out there um but uh when we would, especially if we had a guest star of some kind not so much on these shows i don't remember I don't remember doing any kind of stunt casting on these, but uh, in the other shows like the Scoobies and you know whatever else, we would get name actors to come in and and uh, and do stunt casting. So that that was something that was that was fun at the time. Um, but yeah, we uh, we supervised everything um, and uh, took it right through conception to airing. Yeah.
1: That's actually a great segue um to my next question. so was your creative process working on Godzilla any different from say like scooby Doo or the other shows that you were working at uh working on the time?
2: The actual process wasn't any different uh, every uh, every show had pretty much the same process that we were involved to that extent in in terms of story editing producing the the whole thing um yeah they they were all uh, it was that assembly line. We had a we had a, a process that each one went through. This one, the only difference in this particular process was uh, was the script element, where it was a an action piece versus a a, a comedy. Um, so that was a, that wasn't anything that anyone on the outside could look at us and say, "Oh, look, they're doing something different." It was all it was all in your head, you know, or in your or in your fingers, or in your selected typewriter. Um, but uh, no, the process is exactly the same
1: we got to talk about scooby-doo then um what do you, like what do you remember about working on scooby-doo anything that specifically sticks out about the creative process or bringing it you know from start to finish
2: scooby was an interesting thing I mean, he'd been going for a while the series had been going for a while before i stepped in and i i, I um uh, there were just so many um so many givens on that series so many stock Sequences. You know, you had to do an an eating sequence. You had to do a chase sequence of some kind. You had to do. There there were there were gag sections that were set up. You could almost you take any Scooby episode from back then, and you could do a template of you know. Oh, here comes the chase, and here comes the eating, and here comes the hiding, and here comes the reveal, and so on. And and you you plugged in whatever action or character uh, or storyline that you you could to that. Um, so it was, it was pretty formulaic. I, I, I kind of, I'm sort of envious of the people who started the Scooby thing off the Scooby show off because they got to create all that stuff. And I'm sure that that was really (laughs) exciting for them. But when you're trying to think of the 500th Scooby eating gag, you know,
3: it's,
2: (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, so that, that, but that was fun because I, I had, I mean, I grew up with Scooby too. Uh, And to be, I was like working with a star, you know. Um, It was kind of a shock uh, when I went to primetime after doing all this because I would write, and whether I was producing or story editing or whatever, the actors would come to me with problems. And I realized that uh, the difference, main difference for a writer between uh, live action and animation is that. Uh, in animation scooby never said i won't say that line you know <laughs> scooby scooby was a lot more pliable he, he never said you know i've done this scene a thousand times can we please find something else to you know um which happened a lot in prime time um but um uh, yeah scooby, uh, scooby scooby was great the 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 most challenging part uh for me was was that development of scrappy trying to figure out how he was going to relate to Scooby and how he wasn't going to steal the show, but still have his own character. And, uh, I, th- I thought it was fun to work on. Uh, I didn't quite realize what the reaction was to, to Scrappy until that first <laughs> live action Scooby movie. And I went to the theater and they revealed, Sc- uh, Scrappy was the villain and the audience just booed <laughs> like crazy. And right. I thought, oh my God, they hate this guy. <laughs> they hate this guy, you know,
1: uh, I I love scrappy. I I love his little boxing gimmick and he's always trying to beat people up. And I, I I thought it was hilarious, but you know, like my son watches it and, um, he seems to (laughs) gravitate towards scrappy as well.
2: Yeah. Well, he had a lot of energy. He, you know, I, um, he, he wore Scooby out from time to time, but, um, you know, that, that was, that was, he was actually more fun to write because he was new. It was what I was saying about, i wish i'd been around at the origins of scooby because they were creating things fresh we got to create scrappy fresh um the puppy power and the whole thing you know
1: that's Um, awesome yeah um how much um i I feel like we kind of talked about this in passing but so throughout all these different tv shows you're working on how much communication did you actually have with william Hanna and joseph barbera through through the course of the shows Sounds like they were pretty hands-off, but were there any decision-making that went into it? Or did they just kind of let you run free?
2: Um, Gosh, with with Bill Hanna, it was mostly production stuff. Um, um, And that was such a well-oiled machine that I don't recall anything major there at all. We might have had early conversations about... um, about what might crop up as a production problem, although I, I can't imagine what it is because, with 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 the art world, you know, the animation, you can create any kind of background, you can send them anywhere, have them do anything. It was more with Joe, I think, um, that was in in establishing these characters before we wrote the first script, or like after writing the first script, and and then trying to show him who the characters are and getting his input and you know changing accordingly. Uh, he was brilliant. He was just such a a nice, brilliant man. I loved them both. They were they were fabulous. Um, but uh, but Joe was so creative, and um, pretty much any I, I can't make this. I, I'm I'm saying this as a generalized comment, but I'm not sure it's not right. But any major catchphrase or uh, characteristic for some character that that you can remember something totally memorable from the character probably came from joe it, he probably spitballed it in a meeting um as far as the, once the series was going there was never any um uh there was very little communication there unless we had a network problem unless we had a. Uh, uh, I remember a thing in dynamite which was my favorite series ever to write and do i loved dynamite uh, but we had an episode that i wrote that i was so proud of that that couldn't be made we we found we've, we got into a uh a broadcast standards problem that was the the core of the episode and he stepped in for us but he couldn't um, he couldn't get that one done they 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 revised it later and and did it with a different name but uh it was uh, an episode called madam no face and the thing was that this it was the villain had no face and would steal people's faces and and put them on uh and take over their personalities and so on and the network just thought it was too terrifying for kids it's one of the funniest scripts I've ever written. I'm that so awesome. proud of that I don't one. not right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that I think it later aired uh, substantially rewritten as as Madame Apeface. I think they they gave her uh, I think that was what they called it. Um, but uh, yeah, working with Joe and and uh, Bill was a breeze because they were fairly hands off. They were always looking toward Joe was always looking toward the next projects and Bill was always juggling the projects that they had um but they were always there if you needed them to to jump in and and help with something that arose
0: so once the general kind of uh i guess uh story is cracked did did you get a lot of direction from anyone or was it just like you know hey you're
2: no we were pretty much given the direction yeah you know, okay. we were we were the ones saying uh you know this has to happen or that can't happen or write the character this way or take that character we, That's, you know, as story editors and producers, that was kind of what we, what we did. Um, you shepherded through, yeah.
0: So, just in terms of, uh, all, there's so many different series and, and, and things going on at the same time that you're involved in, um... What was your favorite thing about working uh, at Hanna-Barbera in the 70s, uh, 80s, you know, and least favorite, you know?
2: um? Well, my favorite thing was that that Joe and Bill ran it like a family business, that you really felt like family there. They they took care of you. Um, Yeah. the the business has changed so much over the decades that I've been. God, I, I sound like a hundred years old. Uh, <laughs> but but over the decades, uh, it's it, it's become run um, by a lot of people out of business school or people who get into executive positions positions from the business side of that company, that that network, that production company, whatever. Um, the creativity is kind of lost, and it's become um, it's become a business. And back then, um, Hanna-Barbera wasn't a business. It was a family, and everybody felt like part of the family. Um, you, could, you could go from door to door there, and everyone knew everyone. Uh, you could go to lunch with anybody. You could kick ideas around with anybody, um, and that included Bill and Joe. Uh, Joe's daughter, um, uh, Jane, uh, was there as well at the time um she took care of a lot of the financial aspect of it i think she was cfo i'm not sure but i think that's that was her role um and it um it, it it just felt comfortable to go to work it wasn't like going to an office it was like going to have fun with your family um the worst thing about it at the time. Boy, I just—I look back with such fondness. I'm—I don't know that I have
3: a—I
2: <laughs> don't know that I have a worst thing about it. Um, I dealing I with don't standards
0: and re- uh, practices, or what?
2: I, <laughs> I guess so. But I—but I honestly, even with that, because that became a challenge, we all would put our heads together and find ways to uh, to go around them, you know, to, to get get around things. But um, I don't remember a day at Hanna Barbera I didn't enjoy. I. uh... I just had the best time ever. Uh, If I look back on everything that I've done, um, I've done projects since that I'm incredibly proud of. Um, But as far as the fun, um, I haven't had as much fun since Santa Barbara days.
3: Okay, well, that's good.
1: (laughs) So I am curious then. um, So what you kind of mentioned, you left animation, you started working on live action. Right, so, what drove you to make that decision?
3: oh it,
2: it, i think i had, I had sort of done animation and uh live action had prestige. it also had uh quite frankly more money <laughs> the, the The pay was a whole lot better um, I, I went from uh working in Seattle for twenty five dollars a week uh to Barbera, where i think I think at the time. I must have been making maybe two or three hundred dollars a week. Was was it? Uh, but that was back then uh, when I was on staff. I I should I, I can tell the story. I've, I've told it before, but uh, uh, I thought coming from Seattle that professional writers that the, the thing that identified the most was that they were really fast. So when I got to Hanna Barbera, uh, and once I kind of learned the craft, once I learned the format for animation. I was turning out a script a day, that's 60 pages a day. So I was doing five half hours a week until there was a knock on my door one lunch and all the other writers at the studio were there saying, can we take you to lunch? Um, and they were explaining how Hanna-Barbera was taking advantage of me because I was getting like $300 a week, which would about 60 bucks a script or something. I think that came out to. And they were pointing out that uh, how much more one script could make me. And back then the money wasn't substantially more, but it was it was a lot more. It was a lot more. Um, And they just they said you're you're making the rest of us uh, look bad, and uh, this isn't how we do it. And so I mean it was it was an interesting lunch. I've got to say, and I I am just so thankful for that because what they got me to do was to go off salary and write per script and slow down so my life became a lot more sane um i could do a script a week and make so much more than i'd been making before um and uh so that that was as i said that was what animation was like at the time um but then live action you know i looked at that and thought wow you know you're working with named people and it's prime time and it's more grown up i guess you could say is what we thought um I think every animation writer has gone through that at some point. You think, well, wait, I'm doing animation, and it maybe doesn't have the prestige that primetime has, that live action, that movies and television has. So that was where my head was, for better or for worse, at the time. I have to admit it. Um, the idea of going into primetime was just really attractive for those reasons, um, and I had uh, I had an entree um, and uh, and a spec script, and uh, that's how it happened.
0: Do you prefer writing for television or for films?
2: Oh, for theater.
0: Okay, so neither.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Quite honestly, I, you know what I what I started off to do as I think I mentioned early on was I wanted to write for live theater. I wanted to be I wanted to write music and lyrics. Well, there are so many people who write much better musical material than I do um, these days, and and even back then. But uh, to write the book for a musical uh, or a, or a straight play, I I just love it. I've had I've had four shows in New York and nothing major, nothing you'd have heard of, nothing on Broadway yet, off Broadway so far. Um, but uh, but I love that. But um, that aside, I think uh, I, next to that, I like film. I, I like the um, the process of doing a you know a story in a couple of hours. That's mm-hmm. that's great. Um, the the live action. I mean, sorry. The live the the television process, the primetime just television series. There's so much wonderful stuff being done now during during the pandemic. I've gotten hooked on so many series <laughs> that, right. I loved, <laughs> that I absolutely love that I would have missed had it not been for you know the isolation and whatnot.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, there's so much quality writing being done that even the the half hours and hours of television are just are just brilliant. I I think it's a uh, it's really a world right now where a, a good writer is really appreciated. Um, and has so many potential outlets, um, that, uh, if anybody out there wants to be a writer, I would say go for it at this point. There's, uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life.
0: Yeah, I, it's, you know, they, they've been saying for a few years now, like, TV is the new, like, all the, all the best writers and directors and stuff are working in TV now. You know, no offense to the big studios, you know, they make some great stuff too, but, like with the way everything is, fran- it just fran- it's all franchises and it's all you know, everything's trying to target you know, f- the four quadrant demographic. It seems like more creative freedom is in writing the, the the television shows. I think that's kind of what what's driving that you know that that huge slate of great TV that we've seen over the last few years.
2: Well there's there's such freedom now in television because um, I am I'm, I'm sure that the the old fashioned or the the, the the classic networks, the ABC, NBC, C B S, Fox, they're really feeling the pressure from all these other uh, opportunities that are out there from the Netflixes and the Amazons yeah. and yeah. and so on. They're they're feeling um, and they're competing with the freedom that um sorry, I got him out here with the freedom that those um, uh, sources have. I I was watching a a show last night, and uh, between the the language and the graphic sex in it, um, and this was just a this was just a really good series. <laughs> but it was so it was so graphic and so honest and so true to today, and so what we all relate to, I think. But I thought, my God, how things have changed! How <laughs> how how this streaming world has has allowed uh, exploring subjects that you know we never thought we could explore, you know, even ten years ago. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's Frank and it's really funny and it's really contemporary. And I can imagine going back to the broadcast standards conversation, what they would have thought, uh, back then had one of those scripts come across the desk.
0: Oh know? yeah. It's, right. uh, <laughs>
2: it's, it's just crazy. It, it, it's a, it's a wonderful t- time, as I say, to be a writer and, and to be a, a viewer of all this programming. Um, yeah.
0: So do you, do you have any favorite shows that you you've discovered then in <laughs> in quarantine? Uh, oh,
2: you mean like? Yeah, I, what I, have you I, been watching? I've been watching oh gee, uh, so much, so many things. Uh, <laughs> uh, the morning show, I really love. Um, sex Education on uh, on Netflix, I think it is. Yeah. I um, it's a Netflix um, uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be blanking now, and uh, you know I've got I actually have my list here because. I'm trying to keep up with everything. I'm catching up with shows like the good fight that I never caught first time around that I'm enjoying. Um, as far as animation, what if I'm in, I'm enjoying a lot on, on oh, Disney. Yeah. Yep. Um, I find a lot of Agatha of the Christie things that I love. Um, uh, uh, only murders in the building on, on Hulu, the Steve Martin series. I'm, I'm having a great time with, um, uh, evil on, on Paramount, the, um, uh, the CBS series. Um, it's so uh, it's 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 got its pluses and minuses, but I'm enjoying that. Um, I'm looking back to see what all I've seen. Ted Lasso, I'm I'm just addicted to. I think to that's it. awesome. I yeah. just can't uh, see enough of Ted Lasso. I love it so much. Um, Schitt's Creep, uh, creep, I'm fine of getting in touch with, and I'm having a great time there. Um, Handmaid's Tale, Watchmen,
0: uh, Watchmen's um, great. Got,
2: there's just such there's such a list, and the great thing about it is it's in every possible. Genre, yeah. I mean, it's it's animation, it's superhero, it's great drama, it's broad comedy, it's um, it's it's a little bit of everything, and uh, and I'm I'm really glad to be living at a time when all of that is
1: available. I want to pivot back real quick to kind of your approach to writing. Um, How is it different from live action, animation, and theater? Do you take any specific approaches for? Different mediums.
3: Well, the
2: one thing that's the same for all of them is the outline. Uh, when I first came to Hanna Barbera from Seattle, um, I I didn't have a structure. I um, I was writing for that children's series in Seattle, and I would just start with the kind of a basic idea, and I would write until like the half hour was up, and then and then I would write the end. I mean, and it's, there was a story of some kind there. Um, but when I got down here, um, the, there was a, a guy named Sid Morse, who was one of the um, story editors at Hanna-Barbera when I first got there. And uh, Joe Barbera put me in, or I'm sorry, this was uh, Ray Allen and Harvey Bullock at the time. They put me in with Sid uh, as a as a mentor, and they said, show him the ropes, essentially. And Sid said, well, I've got this um, series. It's a, It was the Teenage Genie, I've, I Dream of Genie, hmm. the teenage Barbara Eden kind of character he said uh, write me a sample script on this so i just sat down and i started doing what i would always done i started typing and i would do the good cute dialogue and i would write some funny action stuff and i showed him like the first 10 pages and he said well you know you you, you write good dialogue and you write the characters are fine and the action stuff is fine but what's the story I, I said well i'm i'm probably getting to that that was my that was my concept of how to approach it and he was the one who told me this is how you do it. And he's so right that if you don't have an outline of some kind, at least a, a headline, uh, at least know where your story is going, you're not going to get there. If you don't don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So the first thing I do with everything is I do a headline. I do a, uh, uh, a literal scene by scene breakdown. Uh, I put down the major stuff that I know I have an overall concept and I put down the major stuff that has to happen. And then I begin filling in between those major events, what could get me from one to the next. And gradually as you keep filling in between those, you create an outline, you create a a flow to the story that you can, you can follow or not, but at least, you know, there is a way from point a to point L. Um, And that's how I, that's how I do all of these beyond that. Uh, some things are more character-oriented. Some things are more action-oriented. Uh, with the Scoobies, for example, or the Godzilla's, uh, it's it's the action pieces primarily. With uh, uh, with television, it's a combination of the action and the and the characters. You know, exploring those characters. And with theater, it's primarily the characters. It's really uh, letting them take the stage and you know present their story. So each one has its has its approach. But the thing that they have in common is. I I know before I sit down to write out the script I know where I'm going with it and I know how I'm going to get there.
3: Um
0: you know we were we before we started recording you you were we we'd mention you'd mentioned um that you know you grew up a fan of monster films and, uh, yeah, yeah. and the the great ray harryhausen and reading famous monsters and you mentioned earlier you know liking the the Godzilla films when you were uh, Absolutely. Brought brought the, uh, the 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 series, but uh, I'm sure uh, some people might be curious. Have you had a chance to check out any of the more recent uh, Godzilla films, or and and if you've had any 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 thoughts on them?
2: Oh yeah, I I, I watched them all. You <laughs> know, I, I guess the most recent is is the most recent uh, Godzilla vs. King yeah, Kong. Yeah is yeah that, yeah yep. Is yep. that the most recent? Yeah. Um, I mean, the action is great and the CGI is great and um i I personally wish they had more story to them uh yeah something something you could connect with i you know i think that's that's act-
0: what we were saying when we we reviewed it it's fun, but yeah, you kind of wish there is a little more to chew on
2: well the problem the problem is that the, the i think that the um creators of these new pictures have so much fun with the c g i there is absolutely nothing you can't do with c g i at these day in these days that they forget that there's a story at the heart of it. it's it's what I've been really impressed with uh, with the whole Marvel series is that virtually every installment in the, in in the Marvel series, for me at least, um, has shown a real character and a real story and and it's boggled my mind how they were able to juggle all those stories into a single story by the last two episodes, the last two you know installments. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a huge Marvel fan because of that, um, but. Primarily because of the writing, not so much the visuals. Even because they really thought that far ahead to create that over uh, overall arc uh, that got them from A to Z on that. Yeah. Um, just too many, too many um, monster pictures, too many uh, CGI pictures. Think that the visual effects uh, are going to get an audience in, and that's all they need, and they do for the first couple weekends, I'm sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, I think I'd be hard pressed to find a uh, a picture like that that had real legs um, that that didn't have uh, a personal story at the core that people could relate to.
0: Yeah, and, and and I think especially with like the monster movie fans, I know that there's some people out there that are like this, but I, I think especially when you look at like a big studio like Warner Brothers and Legendary handling Godzilla, I think right. they kind they kind of assume that all they want is the monsters, but like. My favorite Godzilla movies are the ones, like, like the original 1954 version that's, like, uh, you know, it, it's it got this, like, sobering message about nuclear war, and, yeah. you know, it, it has actual yeah. characters that you can follow. I think that's kind of where they, I think that's probably where the biggest missed opportunity was with the recent batch, it is, uh... And I say that as someone that does like them, but I think, uh, you know, when they said, oh, this is going to be, like, the big cinematic universe, like, you know, the monster movie version of, like, what Marvel is doing, I think they kind of dropped the ball in not giving us, you know, central characters that are, you know, grow throughout all the different, all the movies from movie to movie and stuff like that. That's, yeah, that's would, what I would have liked to see more.
2: I, I agree. I mean, I had a, I had a good time with Godzilla vs. King Kong. I like all the all the visuals as much as anybody, but if they would realize that, take the time, put a real story in there somewhere, a real message, a real something in there that you can it, it relate to, that takes it to that next level and it becomes a classic instead yeah.
3: of You a, can do both. I, yeah, I,
1: yeah. I, it's like they're afraid so to try to do both, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like we talked about this earlier, but very similar question related back to Scooby-Doo. Have you watched any modern Scooby-Doo stuff and do you have any thoughts on on those? Like, uh, I, gotta be, say, yeah?
2: I gotta say, I really haven't. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I've been, I've been interviewed a couple of times in the last year or two about Scooby and all. And I, I, I guess I finished every interview or each interview, but by saying, well, now I'm going to, I'm going to go in, I'm going to check out what what's happening with him <laughs> these days. But I, 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 can't, I don't know. I I haven't got the, the interest, I guess what, what little bits and pieces i've seen or or um twitter posts that i've seen it it doesn't make me excited to see what they're doing with him these days um i don't want to see scooby talk and i don't want yeah. you know I, <laughs> I, I i like classic scooby you know i it's it, there. He's, he's my baby
1: no i i totally understand that um there's scooby doo mystery incorporated is pretty good um the one thing i like about some of the newer shows is they do try to like Pay homage to other um, other movies. There's like a War of the Gargantuas. There's like a, a, a an episode like that basically riffs on that. There's actually a Godzilla tribute episode.
0: There's a Lovecraft one, right? H. P. Lovecraft.
1: Really? So like, at least they've at least done like some deep cuts or so, like.
2: Uh, so they're they're not sticking by the old templates so much. It's not it's not those pesky kids it's uh it's it, it's, they're,
1: they're it's stuff that it like it. yeah it's stuff that like you can watch as an adult and some of the jokes might go over my seven-year-old's head and yeah. you'll laugh because you understand the reference um it's actually pretty well done in in some of those cases and like it's scooby-doo mysteries incorporated especially is a bit more um when landon watched it he was probably like six and it was a bit scary for him at the time um, but like the writing is actually really good, and the stories are well thought out, and they're referencing other like franchises. And okay, in different... I
2: sound I'm gonna sound so out of touch on this, but where would I find those particular ones? What what?
1: Yeah, so those are um, like Cartoon Network and Boomerang have most of them like for sc- okay. like streaming on demand. I think Mystery
0: um, Incorporated was on Netflix
1: for a while. It was. I don't know if they. Were... One of them came off recently, and I think one of them's still on there. I have to go back and check.
0: I've only seen a little bit of mystery incorporated, but it, like I mentioned, there's the one episode where they had Jeffrey Combs from The Reanimator, which was a yeah. movie. They had him yeah. voicing. Is it was it H.P. Hatecraft or or something <laughs> like that? And and they they did all the yeah they they it was some Lovecraftian story with interdimensional you, I, monsters or something. When we...
2: When we finish this I probably in, in the next couple of days I'm gonna check out Scooby Doo <laughs> Mystery Incorporated and and uh the next time we do one of these I'll have some comments on I'll
1: <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send you some some links to some of the episodes I if I I appreciate that too, thank you. Yeah.
0: You mentioned I think it was Dinomutt was your favorite cartoon, cartoon. to work on
3: yeah what
0: if what if you could pick you know a live action series and or film um is a favorite that you've done what what is one that you know you're especially proud of?
2: oh gosh, uh, there's i have got to say um there there's hmm. there's one movie. It's called uh, one Christmas. It was based on a Truman Capote short story. And I think I'm proudest of that as far as a TV movie, um, because it starred some of my favorite actors. Um, Catherine Hepburn, who was, you know, a screen legend, uh, Julie Harris, who was like a stage legend, Susie Kurtz. Uh and so it was it was a it was a classic piece of literature, and it was so beautifully directed by Tony Bill. Um I, I'm just really proud of that movie. Um as far as um Gosh, as far as television, I guess I had the most fun on Heart to Heart back then because it was just a, it, it was a, it was a romantic comedy mystery, and I love mysteries, uh, so that was that was fun to do every time. But uh, I, I think the the thing I'm most proud of is that is that one particular is that one particular movie. I got to work with Catherine Hepburn a couple times, and so many people have no idea who she is these days, but <laughs> but she was such a major silver screen star and to work with her twice and and write I, I i wrote her last two screen appearances i wrote and produced them and she became a friend and um a, it, it was the most magical time of my life i i i grew up watching the late night movies the midnight movies and they were always showing her classics and to think that someday that i would not only work with her but write her last two pictures and write a speech that summed up her life for the very last thing that uh, she ever recorded on on film uh it was her I, her character was a woman very much like her and in her last speech i gave her a speech knowing or thinking this might be the last thing ever and i wanted to be just perfect and really proud of that um yeah beyond that there have been there have been so many high points so many great people to work with and it's all been it's all been a kick
1: Uh, would you consider going back into animation if given the opportunity
2: i guess it would depend on the project but i don't think so i really don't think that's something i'm interested in right now um as i said it's the most work it was the most fun i ever had but it's the most work i ever did i don't think people appreciate how much work goes into animation even Mm -hmm. from the writer's standpoint uh Uh, mentioning at the time, it was 60 pages for a half hour. You know, I can do a half hour of television for 60 pages and do a whole hour of live television. Now Um, it's, it's just a whole lot of work. And um, as you know, right out of school, right out of university of Washington to come down here and do that sort of thing. It was exciting. It was thrilling. It was, uh, it was fun to go to work every day and I didn't mind the hours and, and all um now I'm really kind of I, I I pick and choose my projects. I i do primarily uh movies, primarily for television these days. Um it uh pays the mortgage and it's and it's fun for me. There's not a there's not a lot of pressure. I can take my time and do the scripts that I want to do. Um turn out three or four a year and uh and just kind of enjoy the life, you know.
0: Um We'd mentioned uh, you know, just how how much content is now on streaming and you know how much good stuff is uh, found there now um, right. but ju- just overall as far as you know the the changes in the distribution model um, as far as you know you being a someone that creates um, that writes films I mean do you have any any thoughts on, on streaming as you know a, a business or as a, a distribution <laughs> model for the audience
2: no, i really i really don't aside from a consumer yeah um you know i haven't uh, th- this is all a fairly recent phenomena and the sort of things that i'm doing right now go onto the television networks primarily yeah. um if they if they stream it's I, I i i don't produce that much anymore i just enjoy the writing yeah um so the producers handle all that sort of thing as a as a consumer you know i i love the convenience of streaming i love being able to sit down and find a an episode of something that I like, and then I'm able to sit uh, sit down and binge the whole yeah. series. You know, and, I, and it's almost to...
0: like you you can you can have a subscription to like each of the major streaming services, and it'll still be like cheaper than your cable bill. Like, exactly. you know,
2: it's crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> but it's the it's the amount of things. I, I I should have shown you my phone when I was uh, when I was going through that list. I, I have to keep a list of what I'm watching because there's so much, and some of it, yes, you have to wait a week. For the next episode but so much you can watch it once and so much i don't want to watch it once like ted lasso i yeah i'm trying to to spread that out yeah. because i enjoy each episode so much yeah i actually it's, prefer
0: uh, when they do it week to week
2: yeah it's a uh, it, 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 it the, the the pandemic in particular i know it had started before that to a degree but the pandemic has 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 changed the way we all experience television film right now it's going to be interesting to see whether um, the theaters, the movie theaters, come back. I, I don't think they'll ever come back to what they were. But I, I love nothing more than going to a big movie house on, uh, you know, on a Saturday night and seeing a, a James Bond picture or a great, you know, Godzilla right, versus right. Yep. Uh, King Kong or whatever. I, I've got a big screen TV, but it's not that big, you know, <laughs> not compared to the to the movie theaters. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the business is changing in so many ways these days. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that I've been able to see it through so many changes, and I I kind of like where it's
1: going right now. So one final question before we get you out of here: um, What advice would you give to someone who wants to start writing?
2: Oh, I'd say do it. Uh, back back then, when I started back in '73, when I came to Hollywood. Uh, I mean I was just this young kid and I I didn't know what was going on and you wouldn't know, what, what doors to knock on and so thank God that I was invited to come down I was so lucky that that I was invited to come down and work for a studio uh, but there weren't that many outlets at the time you had the three major networks even Fox wasn't a major deal right back then um and uh and that was it as far as you know that or or movies and um, there weren't even that many movie studios at, at the time uh, compared to what there are now with all the indies and everything. Um, but right now there are, uh, there's, there are bazillion outlets for writers. You know, you, you just have to write, um, if you keep writing, I haven't, I haven't known anybody who's, who's kept writing and failed in the business. Uh, you you keep writing a door will open the only uh, the only people that i know who tried and didn't stick with it are the ones who didn't stick with it um you uh, you have way too many outlets uh, you can meet people online you can you can connect uh, through twitter or facebook or whatever you've got friends who are friends of friends it's the six degrees of separation somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and can get your script in front of a you know a, an agent or an actor or a producer um, I think it's the most optimistic time to be a writer um in the history of entertainment right now. Um you look at we talked about the streaming, but look at in addition to the major networks, um, the old-fashioned networks, the old networks, um uh, the, the as I say, the the Netflix's and the uh the Amazons and uh the Apples and if if you've got a script there is a place for it out there. If it's a good script, uh, the the trick is to really work at your craft. And, the the one thing I would say, the one bit of advice I would say is look at scripts, look at, look at the classic scripts, learn how to do it. Had, had I known how to write a script when I came down here, I would have had that first bump. Um, I didn't really know how I had never seen a script before in my life. And I was just, you know, I, I had written some stage stuff, but I didn't know what that was, whether that was right or not so learn format and learn how characters are developed. And, um, once you know your history you can uh, you can create your future
3: it's it's that easy
1: well, dwayne thank you very much for your time today um oh, are there any projects you would like to plug before you go anything you can talk about
2: oh gosh not right now of any anything in particular I, at the moment i'm i'm up to here with uh, Uh, I've got some Hallmark Christmas movies that are coming out. I've got like, I think three this year that are going to be airing, but, but uh, they're, they're shooting at the moment and nothing I can really promote. Uh, uh, And I'm just keeping busy with the stage stuff and the TV stuff. And yeah, I, I, I appreciate the chance to do that. Um, I'll get back to you if I have something to, (laughs) to, to ask your help with, but uh, no, it's,
1: and uh, where can people find you on social media or how could they contact you if they wanted to reach out?
2: Oh, they can. Uh, well, on on, um, on on Twitter, I think I'm under my, my name. I'm, I think I think I'm under um, Pool Dwayne because Dwayne Poole had been uh, had been taken. So I think I'm under Pool Dwayne or under my name, Dwayne Poole. Um, that's probably the easiest place to uh, to catch me. Um, they're they're welcome to drop a line if they want uh, email wise. And that's studio type at AOL.com. Yes, I'm still on AOL because I'm just a loyal person <laughs> and I've been on it since 1932. Um, but uh you know I'm I'm happy to correspond with anyone who would like to uh to drop a line.
0: All right, Dwayne, well, this has been uh this has been a lot of fun. Uh thank you so much for um being here and uh no, was... being so generous with your time. Uh I really is...
2: enjoyed it. You guys uh, you you guys know your stuff and it's it's fun to uh Kind of reminisce with you over
3: yeah <laughs> over this life, um,
2: but uh, but I've enjoyed it uh, every bit as much. Thank you so much.
0: All right, all right. Thanks again. Okay, talk to you soon. All right, bye bye.